You know, the atheist has a lot of problems. But one of their biggest problems is they don't know who to be joyful to. When they're joyful or thankful, they say, who do I thank? I heard a great story about the atheist and a Christian who got together. and The atheist was kind of in a bad mood, which is not unusual. But he said, you know, you guys have all the holidays. You have Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, Pentecost, all these wonderful holidays. We don't have any. The Christian said, oh, yes, you do. April Fool's Day. <laughs> most, some of you, but most of you don't know that I'm from the southern part of the United States originally. And I grew up and I love southern gospel music. And just yesterday, I heard one of my, one of my favorites. And you got to really think about this for a minute. They said, I'll get carried away when I get carried away. <sighs> I mean, I just love that. It speaks to me of joy unspeakable. That we enjoy the life he's given us now because he gave it to us. But oh, what joy we have to look forward to in the future. Even more. I was doing some research for a sermon, the one before this one I did a few weeks ago, and I came across some wonderful information that I didn't use in that sermon. The word joy, or a derivative of joy, is used over 430 times in the Bible. We believe it's the most used word in the Bible. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. We're told to be joyful always because it's a gift of God, even in tribulation. And you've got to watch out for joy because if you, if you don't keep it harnessed, it grows into enthusiasm. And that'll really tick off a few people. I've actually had people come up to me and say, no, I'm a little tired of this joyfulness in you. So you've got to be prepared for that. If you're going to be joyful all the time. Now, this is entitled Joy, Not Apathy, because I also read that the, one of the top three problems in Christian denominations today is apathy. Uh, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Oh, can't you find somebody else? I mean, I like coming on Sundays and sitting in the pews, but I don't want to do that. And even one of our grandkids said we wanted to talk to him about current events, and he said, I'm kind of a low-information guy, Grandpa. <laughs> i tell you. Before I was in ministry, as some of you know, I was a professional speaker. Literally traveled all over the world from Singapore to Key West, Florida. I guess that's about as far a distance as you could be between two places. And one of the subjects I like to speak about was enthusiasm. And one of the reasons I like to speak about that, if you take that word and break it down, it comes from two Greek words. In theos, which means full of the Spirit. So when somebody has enthusiasm, maybe they don't even know it, they're full of the Spirit. Now, we'll talk a little bit later about why you, why you should be enthusiastic. But if we live a life of joy, 
it's also contagious. Now, in our so-called retirement, Pastor Wendy and I do a lot of programs in the city of Tomahawk. We have two uh, nursing homes and two uh, assisted living homes. And so four to six times a month, we're in there doing sing-alongs, communion service, worship services. That's more services than I did when I was full-time, actually. But you know what has occurred to us is that we've seen more joy than we see in most of the congregations that we come out and preach to. There's joy. And some of these people are not in the great, greatest of shape, physically or mentally. But they're, they're filled with joy, and they like it when somebody joyful comes in. Now, we've always taken two months off and went to South Padre Island, Texas, and then we come back in March. Well, this year we were down there, and about the third week in January, the activity director called and said, the people want to know when you're coming back. <laughs> they're bored. Because <laughs> nobody ever does anything around here until you guys come in. And so, well, we're only going to take one month from now on because these people are delightful. And they're filled with joy. And when you sing some of those old hymns, like, like we just sang, joyful, joyful, we adore you, they just come alive. And I see more smiles than I see in the grocery store, going down the street, and sometimes in my own congregation in Tomahawk. But I discovered that it's not just a problem in our congregations. It seems like it's kind of a problem with everyone. In every, I wouldn't say with everyone, but in every facet of our lives secular or spiritual. I love that Psalm 118, verse 24 that, that Wendy read. If we really believe that, this is a day that the Lord hath made, I'll rejoice and be glad in it. There wouldn't be any alarm clocks in the world. There'd be opportunity clocks. And when that opportunity clock went off, we'd throw back the bed covers, leap out of bed, and say, I got an opportunity today to tell somebody about Jesus. I got an opportunity today to get somebody to smile. I got an opportunity to make somebody's life a little better today. I've got an opportunity. That world, the day is filled with opportunities. There's nothing really to be alarmed about if we're followers of Jesus. But we continue to call them alarm clocks. Just, just imagine the joy, the epidemic uh, Philippians 4 says, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. It's over and over and over and over in the, in the Bible. So it must be pretty important. We just finished the celebration of Easter. And we got people who are suffering from apathy. I even wonder how that could be possible. We have the joyful hope of eternal life, and we know it. But I know it's a modern-day malady. Now, I'm, you know, I'm quite a bit older than most of you out there, so this will sound like ancient times to you. But back in the early 80s, I was really, my partner and I, that started our little business, our speaking business, were really concerned about this, this whole thing of TGIF. It was everywhere. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. There was even a poll done by Gallup 
to find out what the best day of the week is for most people. And you probably know it's Saturday. Saturday was number one. Now, number two was kind of a tie between Friday and Sunday. See, because Friday meant they were done with the week, and Sunday meant uh, uh, they, had, they had to go back to work, but they didn't have to go back yet. So, they, so Sunday wasn't as good as it could have been because they had to go back to work the next day. So we thought, we, Paul and I said, we've got to do something about that. So we started having a little program with people we know. Just, there was just a handful of us, five or six. And we'd meet in a little restaurant, have breakfast, and we called it TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. And, 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 and I remember one of our people that started attending, I still hear from him. He calls me now and then. And the minute I answer the phone, he said, thank God it's Monday. And he always calls on Monday. Because you don't have to go back to work. You get to go back to work. Try not having that opportunity and see how you'd feel about it. And so we started this little program and we'd just meet and I would play some uh, uh, motivational tapes or, or try to come up with something motivational to share with everybody or other people would bring things and we'd share this. Well, we got too big for my office. So we started meeting in Holiday Inn, downtown Green Bay. And, and the manager of the Holiday Inn, who was also the owner, really loved this. So he started attending. And the next thing I knew, he said, Hey, this is getting so popular. PM Magazine on Channel 5, that's the NBC affiliate, wants to know if they can come and video this and do a show on it. Well, we said, of course. This is great news to us because I'm making my living as a motivational speaker and anybody I can get, they'll come in. That's great. And so the local Channel 5 in Green Bay devoted one whole PM Magazine show to the Thank God It's Monday idea. That next week, our phone rang and rang. Denver, Colorado. Is it okay if we show that in RPM Magazine? Because they had it all over the world. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Can we show that? Everybody, because this was so different. And next thing I knew, I got my only, only claim to fame. Channel 11 called me and asked me if I wanted my own TV show. <laughs> they really did. And I got it. Boy, it was big, I'll tell you. 6.15 in the morning. <laughs> When nobody was up, they called it Monday Morning Motivation with Man Ring. Oh, it was a big hit. I, I, there was a couple of times we hit up to 25 people watching. It was a big hit. It was, and most of the people that were watching were working on the treadmill while they watched it. They were already joyful. They were already enthusiastic. We had the wrong audience. So we decided we had to take that idea on the road, and we did. You start doing it other places. But you know, I'll never forget, if you let these people with apathy go too far, they become, they become what I call thumb suckers. They literally are not only apathetic, they're negative. And the worst part about it is they want to make you negative too. Now, we, we had a neighbor like that. His name was Glenn. I know there's a Glenn here, and I told him in advance I'm not talking about him. But there was a, we had this neighbor. His name was Glenn. He was the most negative. He was a thumbsucker deluxe. He was. And there was a dry cleaner. It was about three blocks from our house, and our, we had our office in our home. And so I said to Wendy one morning, I'm going to walk down and get my dry cleaning. It's a beautiful October 5th. Oh, beautiful day out. And so I started humming, and I'm walking down the street, and here comes Glenn. I thought, oh, man. Oh, man. 
He wants to make my life miserable. So I saw him coming. So I crossed over the other side of the street. You know what he did? He crossed over on the other side of the street. There was no way. That's, that's the way they are. They won't leave you alone. They want to make you miserable too. So I put on my best smile. And I said, it's a great day, ain't it, Glenn? He said, day ain't over yet. <laughs> Something will happen. It always does. That's the way he lived his life. With this attitude that the day ain't over. Something bad will happen because it always does. And boy, we got to do something about that. That thumb-sucking stuff is something else. So TGIM, I can't read my own note here. Let's see if I put my glasses on if I can see what it says. Oh, yeah. It really shouldn't be a challenge for us, this whole business. It really shouldn't be a challenge for us because we got the good news. We got the good news to share with anyone that wants to listen. Hey, we know that our past is forgiven. We know that our future is guaranteed. So we know, of course, we're joyful in the present. How could we not be? As a little kid growing up, I look back down, one of my greatest memories is when my Uncle Lloyd would come to visit us. Uncle Lloyd was my, my mother was a single mother of seven. Uh, didn't start out that way, obviously, but <laughs> it, it ended up that way. By the time I come along, my dad had enough, and he left. Said, if we have to get kids like this, I'm out of here. And that was the end of him. But Uncle Lloyd would come to see us occasionally. Now, what you have to know about Uncle Lloyd is that he was blind from the time he was four or five years old. And he came to live with us. We lived off on a farm near Branson, Missouri, Springfield, Missouri area. And we were hillbillies deluxe. And the outhouse was always in the same place when Uncle Lloyd came. And even though he's blind, he never needed any help. He would take his cane, he'd put it on the clothesline, he'd follow it out to the end of the clothesline, and then he'd, put his, and he'd count the steps to the outhouse. He knew how far it was at the end of the clothesline. So one day my mother said to me, well, Aunt Effie and I and Grandma and Grandpa... These are my dad's parents that live near me. Um, are going to go shopping today in town. We didn't have a car, so mom would have to go shopping when grandma and grandpa went, and Effie was going with her, so you got to just stay home with Uncle Lloyd. You won't have any problem, just entertain him. I'm about 10 years old, 9, 10 years old. I'm thinking, how am I going to entertain Uncle Lloyd? Little did I know he'd provide the entertainment. <laughs> and because about an hour after they all left to go to town, Uncle Lloyd said, I'm going to the bathroom. And I said, okay. And time went by, and time went by, and after a while I heard Uncle Lloyd say, Dennis, Dennis, help. Mom had forgot to tell Uncle Lloyd she moved the clothesline. And instead of at the outhouse, he was in the pond. We had a little pond in the back where the cows drank, and he'd put his, he always put his cane down, and he thought, this feels awful soft. And then he bent down and he realized there was water. He said, I'm in the pond. He had more fun over the years telling that story to more people. He was one of the most joyful people I ever knew. And I was a little too young to understand really why. But he always liked to say, God is great. God is great. He loved to say that. 
course, being 10 years old, I thought he was a little wacky saying that over and over all the time. But he really believed that. Then the day came when the technology in medicine was such that they told him there's a chance we could, you could regain your sight. There's some experimental surgery that we can do, but we can't guarantee it's experimental. Life. He said, we've done this with a few people. Some people restored their sight. Some people did not. Some people had sight for only a few minutes, and it left again. Oh, he said, I'll do it. You know, my wife Effie is the most beautiful woman in the world, but I've never seen her, and I'd do anything to see her face to face. So let's do it. The next time we heard from Uncle Lloyd, he would send cassette tapes to my mom or type a letter. He could type, wonderful typist. And mom would send a, a cassette tape back um, so that he could hear her. So we got this cassette tape and he said, well, the good news, I had the surgery and I could see for 11 minutes. And that was just long enough to verify for me that Effie is the most beautiful woman in the world. And now I've seen her and I can prove it. God is great. That's the way he'd always sign off. Joyful, joyful people. How many people do you know that are in wheelchairs and they're joyful? The list goes on and on. We used to have a friend called W. Mitchell. And I asked him one day, everybody called him W. He was a professional speaker too. And I said, what's the W stand for? He said, wonderful. <laughs> I am wonderful, Mitchell, because God made me. And if you don't think I'm wonderful, Mitchell, just hang around with me a little longer. He had that joy that they were singing about deep in his heart. So many. Johnny Erickson, in a diving accident, became a quadriplegic. And she said, I have so much joy, I just want to give it away to everybody else. Been in a wheelchair for 60-some years now. I'll never get out of the wheelchair in this life. But she said, oh, but one day, I'm going to dance. That's really going to be something. So you see, as followers of Christ, we should be leading the way. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. I'll say it again, rejoice. It's over and over and over in the Bible. We should rejoice as followers of Christ, having that joy because, because our past is forgiven. Our future is guaranteed. How could we be anything but joyful in the presence? Because God is great. Amen.